0: Welcome to the Expats in Dubai show, your home for deeper news, behind the scenes and real life stories. Hey everybody, it's Amber Wahid, and welcome to the Expats in Dubai show. Today on the great Ford Fightback series, we're talking about the first crucial step in investing, how to pick a financial advisor and the top three areas of due diligence that investors are following really effectively to help safeguard their financial future. And quite honestly, which advisor is going to be the best fit for you, which one is going to help build your financial security, and also make you feel confident in your decision in selecting them. So here's where there's so many options, it can be a little overwhelming, and it's easy to just follow a recommendation. And the second problem is I don't know what I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be looking for or I don't have any reference point other than other advisors that are already out there in the market and knocking on my door. So we're going to help you remedy that. And the third one is the greatest risk point of getting stuck with an advisor. So this is where if people don't do their own due diligence, then you're kicking yourself 10 years down the road, like me, when you see the value of your investments have plummeted. Picking the right financial advisor is so important because otherwise it can ruin you financially. And I hear this all the time. It's the, I didn't check my advisor out. So those are the three real problems when it comes to addressing how to pick a financial advisor. But instead of being overwhelmed with all these options, I'm going to simplify it and give you three areas to check that work right now to get you on the first step in the investment market and areas we know will protect you under all circumstances with your advisor. The second piece is, instead of not knowing what we don't know, I'm going to give you a knowledge of why behind the different areas. So you have a clear answer of which advisor is the best fit for you. And instead of having this risk of getting stuck with a poor advisor, I'm going to help you take confident action. So you have a simple blueprint of what to look for, what's going to work for you, and this blueprint you can use to work from. So you've got a simple formula or format to follow. And we have someone to help guide us with this, and not just anyone, Stuart McCulloch. He is the director of the internationally renowned and award-winning The Fry Group, which is a privately owned financial advisory firm based out in the DAFC, and a firm that has been in the business, now get this, since 1898. Here in Dubai, the office is headed up by Stuart, and he has 30 years experience in financial services in the UK and the Middle East, Very impressive CV. Before joining the Fry Group, he was head of operations at the Bank of Singapore and before that at Coots. As a firm, they have won countless awards. They were number four of the Financial Times Top 100 Financial Advisors. And last year, under Stuart's careful supervision, they won the International Advisor Best Practice Award for Best Overall Advisor. Wow, Stuart, welcome. How are you?
1: I'm very good, Amber. Thank you for inviting me along today.
0: Safe, well, vaccinated.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Stuart and I have actually known each other for a few years now, and I know from having many conversations with you, you are very passionate, protective about this industry.
1: Absolutely. I think there's there's nothing more uh, of a responsibility than actually working with people to try and look after the money they've got and, and grow the, the, the money that they have and, and support people and ultimately achieving their goals, whatever that may be, whether it be financial freedom or any specific objectives they may have. So it's it's, it's very interesting and it's lovely to get to know people and get, to get the inside track on their family and things like that. And I've always been quite a nosy person, so it's been a great <laughs> job for me.
0: Of all the information out there in the local market and evidently, unfortunately, of a really low trust industry because of the behaviour that's been exposed over the years by certain groups of people within it. What is the most inaccurate information about the local advisory market?
1: I suppose the thing that I will say uh, is that not all the advisors are bad. Um, There are some good uh, advisors out there and some good firms out there. But the the important thing for, for an advisor is that you actually... Take the time to get to understand the person and know what it is they're trying to achieve. And that is effectively financial advice. If someone's coming to you with, you should do this, and they haven't really spoken to you much yet, then that isn't financial advice. And and people need to be understand the difference between a salesman and an advisor.
0: We'll get to how to pick the right financial advisor in a minute. But first, I want people to get a sense of who the FI group is. Where are they from?
1: So we're based in the UK. Uh, we've been around since 1898, uh, and we've built that business up over the years that we now have a global presence. Um, the Frag Group, effectively, is a, a holistic wealth management company. We're made up of three essential pillars. We have the financial planning arm, we have the tax company, and we have the estates, trusts, and will writing company. And those three arms work in cooperation with each other to deliver holistic financial planning.
0: Eight offices around the world, including Dubai, Hong Kong, Singapore. And as you say, head offices in the UK. How do they all work together?
1: So we have a very uh, consistent approach. The Fry Group is a very uh, values driven company, values based company, and we look for consistency of that uh, delivery of the service right across the world. So we, we effectively lead from the UK, uh, and we've instilled the, the best of, of breed across the different offices and where the bar set the highest, we adopt that as the, as the standard across all the offices.
0: See, Dubai is of course a transient city. So it's important that investors have that assurance, confidence that they will be well looked after no matter which part of the world their careers or lives may take them, that you're a system of offices spread across the world that operate as a single entity. So it's good for people to know if you're in, say, Singapore or Belgium, there's no difference between the level of service that you're getting, the type of advice that you're getting or the quality with whom you're working.
1: That's absolutely right. Um, I think one of the things that we do pride ourselves on is that when we look at a client's circumstances and a client's needs, we then just look at where can we get that from within the Fry group. We've got, you know, a number of offices, a number of uh, experts within the business uh, and some real subject matter experts. So it's not about which office can do everything we, we look at it from a global perspective and if we need to use a different office or a different department to give you what you need then that's what we do and it's all coordinated by your relationship manager.
0: So you're definitely here for the long stay committed to the region?
1: Absolutely the the DIFC offers us a fantastic infrastructure to set up a business and to grow a business and this is a very important strategic uh, position for us in our, in our global strategy so absolutely we're here for the long term.
0: Great stuff. Okay, so looking at the local market, how do you explain to the layman, someone new to the industry looking to invest their money, all these different titles within the industry? I mean, I get really confused. There's so many options. You've got financial advisors, wealth management, pension planners, the list goes on. But is it essentially the same job?
1: Um, There are a number of different uh, titles that people give themselves. And depending on how they are marketing themselves. Sometimes they may be very, very specialist, like someone who just deals with pensions. But normally for a wealth manager or financial planner, what you tend to find is they're like the the the, the sort of general practitioner if you're looking at it from a doctor perspective. And their job would then be to look at what you need and if they need to bring in a specialist, they do that. Uh, and ultimately they make sure that the, the the correct subject matter expert is in front of you at any given point. And they just kind of coordinate things like a conductor conducting the orchestra.
0: So this is where it gets tricky. Should investors look for an advisor or are we looking for an advisory firm? Because let me compare it to the legal industry. Clients may pick lawyers from different law firms according to their needs, say employment, tax, criminal, or they can pick a law firm that is full of lawyers who cover every area of the law, like a full service law firm. Both scenarios work and the client is not at a disadvantage because the areas of law are independent to each other.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point because What I tend to find with wealth management is that uh, sometimes looking for a firm that has uh, all the requirements that you need in-house means that you're going to get a far better coordinated service because they are all interlinked. And to give you an example, if we're looking at doing investment advice for someone, we would always then look at their tax situation and their potential planned moves and when those planned moves are going to take place. Because quite often we need to make sure that we coordinate with the tax team to make sure that we do things in the correct way and that we realise gains examples like that before they go back. Back to the UK. So I've always been a great believer that having uh, a good firm that does everything will make sure things are done properly. And there's no bias about when you do things. It's just done at the right time.
0: So let's dive into what we're talking about today. Now people getting really effective results from investing. So how are they doing it? It really comes down to three easy decisions in three areas when we're thinking of selecting a financial advisor or addressing the suitability of your advisor. Area number one, a professional license. This is a classic example of where due diligence can provide dividends. Unlicensed means the advisor or his company has not been issued a company license where the business activities include dealing with money or advising on money matters and investments. In Dubai, there's really only two options when advisory firm can be licensed. First, there's the DED. Department of Economic Development, the state licensing body that issues company licenses outside of the DIFC. And they do have rules and criteria, both academic and financial, to set up an advisory business. And you have to check the activity that the firm are licensed to provide. And it's a very quick online search on their website. And it states, in order to carry out financial advisory services, financial planning, recommendations on savings and pension planning policies, and taking commission from policy providers from these recommendations, the company has to have the DED activity, financial analysis and consultancy. These are the key words to look for in that license. Now, in comparison, it's a lot tougher to get an advisory license within the DIFC. Stuart, you're based in the DIFC.
1: That's correct. We're in Emirates Financial Towers.
0: Can you walk us through the process that you had to go through to set up your business there? And how long did that process take?
1: Okay, well, I'll try and give you the potted uh, history on this one <laughs> because this could be a podcast in itself. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure that everyone should be bored by the end of it. So I'll keep it nice and simple. But effectively... Um, As you'd expect in a kind of tier one regulatory environment, uh, the DFSA and the DIFC authority require quite a lot of due diligence documentation from the firms that are involved, going back into your history, getting uh, all the evidence from Companies House uh, and all the articles of association and everything else has to be all produced. Then you're going through uh, submitting a proper regulatory business plan, which goes into the full detail of what you're intending to do within the financial centre. And then they, they look at all that information and then they, they stress test it and they come back and they ask you for more questions uh, and, and they really look at it. And it. It takes literally months to go through the process and it also includes an interview with the regulator for the key roles that are going to be set up as part of the business. So it's it's like a job interview and there's no guarantee that you'll be cleared. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a full-on process but I think what it does for the firms is it gives you a lot of reassurance that it's a properly set up financial centre. And I should also give the the comfort to to clients as well that you've been properly vetted and it does go into a huge amount of detail.
0: Definitely a very detailed, customised process. And we're going to be talking to the DIFC regulators at a later date on why they have purposely made it so tough. It's important to note That there are many advisory firms outside of the DIFC, which is their personal choice. It may have to do with cost, expansion, etc. And on the subject of their license, you just need to check what business activity they are licensed to do. The second area is regulation. This is where unregulated means that your advisor and his company are not controlled or supervised by regulations or laws. Stuart, in the UAE, who would advisors be regulated by?
1: Okay, so you've got uh, uh, various different regulators that you could be regulated by. You've got the DFSA and the DIFC. You've got the the Central Bank of the UAE. You've got ESCA. You've got the Insurance Authority.
0: What do you have to show to prove that you are indeed regulated?
1: Okay, so everybody should carry uh, a business card and the business card should always state at the bottom of the card who they're regulated by. You can go into the the, the public register with, for example, the DFSA and put the the firm's details in and they'll tell you what license they've got and who are the authorised individuals within that firm.
0: Of course, the, the details should be on their website. My former financial advisor did actually say on his website that he and his company were regulated. They weren't. How can people double-check what's being told to them?
1: Then what you need to do really is go into the the website of the the regulator that they say they're regulated by, and there should be evidence that they hold a license that you should be able to find from that website. And if you can't, normally they would have a, a questions and help section, and you could always just ask the question, and they'll come back and give you an answer.
0: So we are looking at both the company and the advisor being regulated because sometimes the advisor just shows the paperwork for the company to throw the investors off.
1: Yeah, th- th- this is one of the problems I suppose that we have is that you don't have individual registration in the UAE. Um, What ha- How it works here is effectively I'm the head of the business. So ultimately, I take the responsibility for the activities of my staff. Um, but ultimately, in the event of an audit, they would be interviewed as well.
0: Just a footnote, it's not against the law in the UAE for advisors not to be regulated. But for your own safety, pick someone who is fully regulated. And they are regulated within the jurisdiction. So if things go wrong, we have a mechanism for complaint, a possible legal recourse. Never invest a penny without checking this first. Stuart, if you have a complaint against a financial advisor, would you write to their regulator in the first instance before taking any legal recourse?
1: Yeah, so what I don't want to, to, to encourage people to do is start, you know, getting lawyers' letters and everything else out because, you know, that, that's just going to be expensive and it's not really going to help. Oh, the lawyers
0: will love that. Lawyers (laughs) will
1: absolutely love it, but it's not going to help. The first thing you should do is contact the the company that the advisor works for and they should probably have an internal complaints procedure, which you, you can then go through. And then once that's exhausted and you're still not happy, then you can write to the regulator and the regulator will have a process that they'll take you through. Now, at that point, if you still think that you're not happy, then go and speak to a lawyer, but that should be the last uh, 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 recourse that you take.
0: Great. And the third area of due diligence is qualifications. So let's clarify, what are the legal requirements in the UAE to practice as a financial advisor?
1: Well, currently, there are no minimum uh, qualification requirements in the UAE, but it is something that they are looking at. Um, I wish there was because, um, you know, it would get rid of a lot of people who really shouldn't be giving advice because they don't really know what they're talking about.
0: So this is an area that we really need to understand because unbeknown to most people, we're not talking about having a general skill set here because investment is a skill.
1: Yeah. And when you, when you look at the fact that we've got a transient population here and people from different countries, there's a lot of complex tax rules and things that you need to understand as well. And if they don't know any of that stuff, it can really be quite a painful experience.
0: Exactly. So who are the companies and the advisors we really need to partner with in terms of qualification, skills and expertise?
1: Okay so if you're looking at it from a financial advisor perspective the the retail distribution review that happened in the UK some years back insisted on people achieving what was called a level 4. Now the level 4 qualification meant that you you'd done enough exams and been and been uh, checked by examination that you understood these things well enough to be able to be a financial planner. The next level up is chartered financial planner and ideally what you'd like to to, to deal with is someone who's at that level because at that level of complexity they'll have a, a good understanding of all the tax implications and things as well.
0: In fact, for my research for my book, I found only a handful of firms in Dubai with 100% qualified advisors. It is frightening to discover how many unqualified people are advising quite legally. Simply put, I'm sure that must annoy you.
1: It does annoy me, what annoys me more is when I see the mess that they've made when clients come to us to try and get it fixed. Mm. Um, And sometimes it's very, very difficult to undo what's been done. Um, But yeah, it does annoy me because it's like a child with his dad's gun. I mean, it's, it's dangerous in the wrong hands.
0: Just to reiterate, being unqualified, and when we say someone is not qualified, it means that the advisor doesn't hold the required academic qualifications to be a financial advisor, to advise you correctly. So being unqualified and being unregulated in Dubai and in the UAE is not illegal, but having an unlicensed advisory setup is illegal. Now, Stuart, I couldn't prosecute my advisor on the fact that he wasn't regulated and he wasn't qualified in that he had the most basic qualifications. But I could prosecute on the fact that he was misusing his license, and he deceptively traded as another company under the license number to make investors think they were an investment company.
1: Uh, no, I've, I've, seen, I've seen similar things uh, where, where people offer advice, uh, and you, you ask them who their advisor was, and they're, they're not even based in the UE. That, that's, that's another problem as well. You know, there, there are people who are dealing from remotely who, so if the client has a, any issues or something goes really wrong, there's absolutely no recourse whatsoever. They're ultimately completely unlicensed to operate here.
0: So to recap, the first step is, do they have the correct license? And then we can look at regulation. Are they regulated? And as you start to eliminate people from that group, we can then look at qualification step three. To be honest, you can immediately eliminate a lot of advisors through this process. And take your time. This is a three-step process to picking the right advisor for you. And that's really because at the end of that process, you need to be able to say, I 100% trust this advisor's advice and he's going to be doing the best for me. And so starting with that creates a trust platform. Which advisor or advisory business can you see working for you and your financial security? But Stuart, what always happens is that we end up going back to referrals for whatever reason, time, lack of confidence. And it really doesn't take a long time to research this stuff yourself, right?
1: No, it doesn't. If someone claims to be qualified, then you can always check through the examination body that they claim to be qualified through. And their website will tell you if they have the the appropriate uh, qualifications and they pay their subscriptions.
0: There's also the subject of commission, because this is another important factor that I think we need to consider when assessing the suitability of a financial advisor. When I was reporting my case to the local authorities, the officer said to me at the police station, there's nothing wrong with somebody earning a commission. And he's right, of course. But the difference is when you set it against motives, it's a different picture. So in my case, my overriding specification was that my capital remained safe and I opted for stable long-term investments. My advisor picked high-risk funds that gave him high commission. So he's not helping me. He was helping himself. Personally, I don't think it's wrong to ask advisors how they earn their commission. Because as almost anyone can call themselves a financial advisor, we have to narrow down the financial field and ask advisors how they get paid and how often. We need to be sure that our advisor is working for us. What are your thoughts about that, and how do the likes of the Fry Group tackle this issue of commission? So your advisors are working in the interests of the client.
1: So the, the quick answer in relation to the Fry Group is that we, we don't we don't take commission. Um, I'm not saying that the, that you know you should only deal with people who don't, but that commission should be completely transparent and disclosed if they do take commission.
0: A lot of people right now are raising their eyebrows when you said you don't take commission.
1: Okay, so we follow a fee-based model, which is the model that's prevailed in the UK. So it's fully transparent. You know what you're paying uh, and there are no hidden charges. And we, we take a percentage of the, the the invested money on an ongoing basis in the way of an annual management charge. But again, all costs and charges are fully disclosed to the client before they make any decisions.
0: So the, there are three different types of um ways to get paid so there 's the commission based advisors there 's the fee based advisors and the fee only financial advisor and the, the the one that you would recommend people seek is the fee only financial advisor.
1: Yeah, so if if you're if you're doing things on the basis on the, the the annual management charge to to retain the advisor, that means that they've got skin in the game. Uh, they they need to keep you happy. They need to work with you to make sure that you achieve your objectives. And then ultimately, if if the value of your investments go down, so does their fee. If the the value goes up, their fee goes up. So they've got uh, invested interest to work with you to make sure that things go in a north direction.
0: Again, in my research, I've only come across a very small number of firms that have that type of model. Does that surprise you?
1: It does surprise me because when I first came into the market in, in the UE, having spent so long in, in the UK in the financial planning side, that's been the model there for such a long time across all companies. So it was surprising to see how many firms are still taking commission and not necessarily disclosing it.
0: Now, let me ask you, expats don't necessarily have piles of assets. They pay from income. I'll call them above average clients, but not necessarily ultra high net worth. So the financial needs of the typical UAE expat are different than a high net worth client. And you will come across expat investors who are looking for fee-only advisors that would just give them advice, but the only ones they can find require, say, half a million dollars. How do you then service the expat community in terms of the advice? Does the advice look very different to advice given to a high net worth client?
1: There should be no compromise on the quality of the advice. Uh, what you tend to find is sometimes you may need to just give the client generic advice because the, the best solution for them, based on the amount they've got, is to do something on a, on a do-it-yourself basis, but they need help. Where do I go? What do I do? What should it look like? And we we have regularly given people some generic advice to just to help them to, to do that. Um, you're also going to get clients who don't have maybe the, the minimum level that you would normally go for, but they are high earners. So they're going to get there eventually. Uh, So you work with them to help them to to, to build that wealth.
0: So a couple of footnotes to end on for the listeners. Disclosures are negative reports, i.e. complaints from clients on an advisor's compliance record. You can check, has the financial advisor ever been the subject of formal complaints sued by a client or disciplined by a regulatory body? You may be surprised to know That advisors can have multiple complaints on their record and still stay licensed to give investment advice. You can access websites such as BrokerCheck to see if they have any negative disclosures recorded against them. And if they do, it may be best to move on. That's actually quite frightening to know that they can have a catalogue of complaints against them and yet they can carry on working and advising.
1: Again that yes you're absolutely right that, that that is not ideal, but it comes back to the point that they're not individually registered so some people don't go to the the, the effort of checking these things out whereas in the UK for example if you go into the the uh, the SCA's website it'll tell you how long they've stayed at different firms and whether or not they were signed off as competent or not.
0: And also just a note on the court of law. If there is any dispute between you and your financial advisor arising out of or in connection with your agreement, you can ask to insert a governing law and dispute resolution clause in your agreement subject to the court you agree for your case to be heard. For example, in the UAE, there are two options. Dubai courts under local law or the courts of the DIFC who follow English law, where the agreement is governed by and construed in accordance with the laws of England. But we'll talk about that in more detail later on. That's a whole different conversation that needs more time and space to give it justice than right now. And Stuart, finally, cold calling. I guess the question there is, I can't believe people still do it. The selling tactic, the method itself is so out of date.
1: I can't believe the cold call <laughs> me, Amber. That's that that's the the, the funny thing. Um yeah, no, I I I I just think it's one of those things that, that just needs to stop. I don't think Anybody really wants that, and I think um, if if someone's cold calling you to talk about financial planning, it's like based on what I mean. You you need to do proper research exactly. before you can even start to have a conversation with someone's finances. I get people calling me up and and, and 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 saying, "Oh, you've got pensions in the UK, and we want to help you to 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 make them free and flexible." And 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 I'm thinking, well. Based on what? And and invariably, the person doing the cold calling won't give you the advice because I think they're just like telemarketers. They don't really know what they're talking about.
0: And you tell them who you are.
1: I've asked (laughs) if you've done any research on me at all before you picked up the phone. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, God love them. You know, they've got a job to do and it must be tough. But, um, yeah, I think it's a bit outdated
0: when they call me, I just say, I don't think you want me as a client. And if I still can't get them off the phone, then I come out with the big guns and I say, okay, Google me and then come back to me and we can have a chat. I never hear from them again. Stuart, thanks for sharing with us the best information. It was fantastic. Incredible advice. And I hope for everyone listening, hopefully this has got your brain mulling over different things and you now have a better understanding about how to select the best advisor for you. And to provide feedback on today's episode or ask questions, you can reach out to me at sculpting.com forward slash contact us. Send us your details and we will get back to you straight away. Stuart, where can people go to connect with you or follow what you're up to or seek advice from you? We'll put it all on the website, but what's the best way for people to find you?
1: Okay, so we're on social media on various platforms. Uh, uh, We have a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, They can contact us through that. We also have a a fantastic website if they go into it, uh, depending on what region they're in. Uh, And there's a lot of information, including free guides and everything in there. But it's very, very easy. Uh, The phone numbers and everything that you need to, to contact us are on those websites.
0: That's great. Thanks again for coming on the show. And our thanks to you for listening. We'll have more episodes on the Expats in Dubai show for you next week. On Mondays, join us for the Great Fraud Fightback series, where we discuss topics related specifically to the financial advisory industry. And on Thursdays, join us where we bring you episodes on wider community topics. See you then.